Welcome back to the Sunday Show edition of On and Off the Pitch. I hope you're well. Thanks for joining. We go back in time to the FA Cup semi-final, the big shock of the competition. Both of the Manchester clubs have been shut out, shut down, and they do not make it to the final themselves. Both the Manchester teams, City and United, entered the semi-final in good form with a decent run of games and a league position to boot. The stars foretold a story of victory, but this would not be the case for Pep and Oli and their teams. It was a big shock indeed. The first to fall by the wayside was Pep and his merry men. They failed to have an answer for the low block formation held by Arsenal throughout the game. Sterling stuff from the Gunners, who themselves had been on an indifferent form before. Uh, the Gunners would see themselves control the game, a counter-attacking game they would have. They would adopt the formation seen in the film 300. No one should pass. Under the stewardship of Pep's former right-hand man, Mikel Arteta looked the general throughout. He was dominant, his arms were moving, he was in total control, and so were his team. Arteta was just as animated as his former boss. Arteta knew what to do and how it would unfold for him and Arsenal on their day of victory. Two goals from Aubameyang sealed the deal and would force Manchester City to scurry back to their Manchester hideout. Next up is Manchester United with goals flowing through their veins and the publications are talking up their chances throughout the weekend and the week before. Uh, they were in the races against Chelsea. They were seen as being the better team on paper. It would be uh, the form team for them. But football games are not necessarily won on paper. They are won on the achievements and endeavours of those on the pitch. Uh, slippery fingers and swollen heads are the key points of this encounter. Despite the big branded names on the pitch, the main talking points are the goalkeeping errors made by David De Gea, the goal scorer and the injured. Clashing heads resulted in confusion on the pitch between certain players and confusion on the side of the pitch from the manager. I'm not sure what he wanted to do. Bailly left the field due to a clash with Maguire, who in turn did not have his best game. He seemed to be troubled after the collisions he had. Truth to be told, watching the FA Cup final in July is slightly a it's a very strange thing, it's, but it's probably the greatest thing. Um, it's led, for me, watching both games, to more open games and a more open competition, attempts at both ends of the pitch and good performances throughout uh, the middle of the park. There is some, however, uh, a clause of getting things wrong in games or getting things not so right. And that's the difference between both of the Manchester teams and their um, opponents, uh, the, the opponents who were not necessarily on great form despite indifferent league positions for Arsenal and Chelsea, both of them go through. For the Manchester clubs, it's a, a tale of what could have been and if. Um, Oli will no doubt be worried about what will happen going forward for the rest of the league campaign, considering this was the best chance to get silverware uh, in his short time as a Manchester United manager and Pep himself would no doubt have wanted to go into the final considering he has seen Liverpool run away with the title and pick it up in a comfortable fashion. 
what will happen next for both of those managers we'll wait and see because the end of the league as it is right now the 19-20-20 season is coming to an end so there's so much to talk about away from the two Manchester teams and uh, their losing streak in the FA Cup Watford go bonkers it's really strange that a club can do so many things wrong within a short space of time but Watford are proven to be that team how many managers can a club sack in one season two three four who knows uh, we may discover this to be a question in a revised version of the who wants to be a millionaire for footballers with only three games to go the owners of Watford sacked their manager Nigel Pearson who was in fact brought in after that they sacked the previous manager as they felt the players were not responding well to him but he had already come in because they had sacked a manager before, but then he had returned. Anyway, it's confusing and no wonder they're in the position that they are. Uh, so what do we make of Watford? I am puzzled, honestly, and I don't know what they're going to do or what they're going to be like next season if they survive and stay in the Premier League. But what I do know is that Watford will always hire a manager they can sack because they don't get on with the players or the chairman. So watch this space. Um, it is believed... Uh, uh, Claude Puel, the former Leicester City boss, Noel, who was apparently uh, sacked for falling out with his players, um, is in top of the list to replace the outgoing um, Pearson. So it, it could all end in tears again for Watford. And there is also the small, small matter from the Watford point of view in terms of the players not liking the style of football. Um, if Watford are unhappy or Watford players were unhappy with some of their previous managers, we will wait and see what they say about the potential appointment of Claude Powell, who um, was led to believe led to a dismal display and performance by some of the Leicester players who had previously won the league. Uh, the decision itself to sack Nigel Pearson in itself, it goes beyond simple quarrels. These decisions are squarely at the, the feet of the chairman. It's a squabble. Chairmen are meant to be remote emotionally from what goes on at the football club. They're meant to look at the bigger picture. They're actually in, indeed to meant to look at the bigger picture. Dealing with managers is going to be a very tricky uh, position to be in anyway because managers always want more and more and more but as a chairman they're expected to do the best for the club at every single turn and I'm not sure by sacking their manager with only a few games to go that is the best course of action. Um, when you sack your manager you actually put yourself in a very difficult position especially considering where you are in the league. You brought the manager into the club and then you get rid of them. Um, that in itself is not going to inspire the players who are already lacking in confidence. They're now unsure. These are the same players who responded well to Nigel Pearson when they arrived and they put on a decent run of games. They put in some excellent performances to give themselves a chance of staying in the Premier League. This decision has got to be one which is no doubt going to be called reckless and will damage the club going forward. Um, who would be a Watford fan right now? A very, 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 very very dramatic decisions. It could be uh, uh, be gone with you now, uh, uh, like a gone with the wind type of thing and let everything burn down in flames. Following the decision of um, Pearson and his backroom staff, Watford go on to face Manchester City. Can you believe it? The team to face who've just been dumped out of the FA Cup, Watford after sacking their manager, go and face Manchester City who will go out of their way and did go out of their way to put down the smackdown 
on Watford and leave them with a very sore head and looking at their position in the league it, almost as if they're standing on the edge of a trapdoor. In terms of self-help, Watford's decision to sack Nigel Pearson with only two games to go could only be described as utter madness to the outside world and uh, they only have themselves to blame if they are relegated. But if they get away with it, we'll wait and see. With regards to relegation, we've got to talk about promotion. A team that has been uh, on the lips of so many fans and pundits in the last 18 months had finally made it. Leeds United are back in the Premier League after a very long time. Some say roughly about 16 years. It feels longer. Leeds United will begin the, their assault on the Premier League next season uh, under the prowling Marcelo Bielsa, the manager who's always on the move in the perimeter of his technical era. To see him is, is, is a sight in itself. His movement mirrors his team's appearance on the, on the pitch. He appears to be the heartbeat of the team. He moves, they move. They are constantly moving in terms of their defensive position, in terms of their closing down, in terms of their attacking style. They are constant, they are precise and they are alert. It will be a very, very good thing for Premier League teams who haven't played Leeds United for quite some time to see Leeds United back in the Premier League uh, playing all of the top clubs around the country. Um, it's going to be really, really difficult. But what I say in terms of Leeds United, it isn't just about a fan talking about what you can see. It's what happens for the fans who have been watching Leeds United. In an article in The Guardian by Charlie Phelps, one of the fans explained the pain they had in terms of watching their club, who were previously in the top echelons, fall through the trapdoor and spend many, many years in the wilderness. It was painless, or painful, should I say, not painless, painful uh, for that fan. They were patronised as fans. They were overcharged by the owners and they were teased in regards to their position and by the owners themselves. Things have changed. The club is on its way up again, promoted, and they have a manager who they truly believe in. When Leeds failed to get promoted last season, some believed that they would sack the manager. Um, if they, you know, if they didn't make the chance, but they kept their nerve. Are you paying attention, Watford? They kept their nerve uh, because football can have a knee-jerk reaction, but you really need to kind of look at the bigger picture. And the owners of Watford, uh, Watford Leeds United, should I say, did look at the bigger picture and take heed. And they, they are back. They are back. They're looking bigger, better, and stronger. They have taken the time to look at what. They needed to do in terms of improvements. They looked at what went well and they asked themselves the question, is there room for improvement within the team and the manager? Uh, all of those questions they asked themselves and they were answered. Will it cost the club to sack the manager or keep the manager? Well, it would definitely have cost them. Did it cost them anything to keep him? No, it didn't. It did improve their chances. And now they are back in the Premier League and everyone is looking forward to them returning and playing some really good football. I, for one, want to see them play. In the same week as their promotion, Leeds lost one of their former heroes, Jack Charlton, a man-mountain, a gentleman, a clubman. Um, he knew a thing or two about being loyal and what it means to look at the bigger picture. Um, everyone loved Jack Charlton. He was a very straight-talking individual and it was a very, very sad loss to the world of football. It may have taken Leeds United more than a decade to return to top-flight football in this country, 
but you can be sure that they will give everything in terms of their effort and attitude and entertainment with regards to what they do on the pitch. And that's something that Jack Charlton did every single time he put on the shirt of his beloved club. Indeed. Moving away from Leeds United and the fallen heroes of Jack Charlton, we talk about transfer of the season. There's so many things that are happening in terms of transfers with regards to football. There's rumours, there's rumours of rumours, and then there are facts, and they haven't been much. In the world of football, everyone is trying to find the next big thing, who will be the talent to be talked about. The problem with football in the UK is that when we talk about talent, We've straight, you know, we straight away use silly, silly money valuations. It's made up. It's almost as if we're playing live action Monopoly. You know, you watch someone play and immediately someone says, he has to be worth 70 million, easy. And there is a follow-up quote which says, well, what about so-and-so? If he's worth 70 million, then surely this player has to be worth twice as much. And then the pattern goes on. You, you see what happens there. If only you could for one moment consider what type of language we use when we talk about players, um, then we need to be more measured, or fans do, definitely I'm one of those. It's kind of like the gold rush when people were trying to find gold in certain parts of America. Everyone tried to value something that they'd never really understood or hardly ever saw in person. Then they see why the valuations in the UK in terms of football players are based on board games because we never actually see the players that we talk about in full or for a long period of time but the valuations that we give them are really quite ridiculous and so we move to the hottest the hottest prospect um, coming out of the UK the one and only Jude Bellingham Jude Bellingham despite being discussed by lovers of Manchester United for nearly a year and Manchester United tweeted at the set that the same player had just had a tour of the club that Jude Bellingham decided to sign for Borussia Dortmund and claims, he claimed, that they are the best club for nurturing young talent. This is a slap in the face for me and for the entire top branch of Premier League clubs, particularly when United, who have used the emergence of Mason Greenwood and Brandon Williams as signs of them being the best club for nurturing young talent. So much so that Jude Bellingham decided, regardless of the overtures that Manchester United paid him and his family, that he would leave the UK and go and play his football in Germany. So Dortmund have what United lack, and it seems to be class, tact, and an appropriate way to behave when trying to seal the deal with the UK's best young talent. Jude and his family believe his best interests from a footballing sense is to leave the UK post-Brexit UK and head for Germany where his appetite and his attitude for football will continue to grow in the right manner. He signs for Dortmund for less than 30 million euros, which is considerably less than the 50 million pounds mentioned by Manchester United fans and circles around those that club in the back of well, the beginning of 2020. How did he get away from United's grip? How did he get away from any of the other UK Premier League clubs? That is a very good question. United don't like cheap deals. They like to spend big so that they can look big. It is never just about getting the deal over the line or securing the top talent. So I'm sure that Jude's story will develop in the way that he wants it to 
and United will no doubt be in the middle of a transfer of gossip linked to the player for about the next 48 months. Later on in the week that we've just had, uh, an actual um, Guardian article jumped out at me with regards to funding of sports and what we've required. In the Guardian newspaper, uh, there was a call for more funding for sports in itself. MPs urged the government to extend emergency funding, uh, which is to go improve facilities in terms of leisure and to imp improve or increase representation for the BAME community. What does this actually mean? Well, we are deep in a pandemic and the absence of sporting activities until recently, because gyms are now open, for the general public, you know, have been very, very dire. No one's been able to exercise properly. Outside equipment have been taped up. You've been told to keep your distance, use wipes, wear gloves, you know the drill. We are all aware of how important um, exercise is to the nation's health and to your mental health and everyone's mental health. So now after months of inactivity, some of the leisure facilities will now face real hardship as the numbers that they have fail to return in terms of the numbers in terms of membership fail to return in terms of what they were in terms of the normal levels pre-Brexit or pre-Covid should I say. Extra funding is required and it's important that this does occur and is available. This is very, very, very important. A report by the Digital Culture, Media and Sports Select Committee, need to get that right, outlined an urgent plea for more funding for the leisure, leisure industry so that it doesn't collapse, which would have a knock-on effect right across the sector and society because if the leisure uh, community or industry collapses then it will just literally destroy not only um, businesses elsewhere, uh, self-employed individuals but in terms of the space that human beings need to access exercise and use it accordingly without um, causing harm to others and being in a safe space. Distance will be damaging. It would also impact on BME groups, women, young people, families and those with disabilities who rely on leisure activity or leisure services to be available. Every single group has their own unique demand and needs. And if the industry were to collapse, these needs would simply be, well, apart from squashed, they would not only be enhanced in terms of damage, but it would be devastating and basically catastrophic in terms of the well-being of the nation, let alone the industry itself. We all have witnessed, right, when we look at the leisure industry, we have all witnessed how well the Premier League and the second tier of football have coped without fans. They've been able to reap the benefits of the TV spectator. Sky is still putting games on, BT Sport is still putting games on, the odd games on the BBC. So they still have reaped the financial benefits from TV money. But there are still those that want to actually not just watch sport, they want to participate in sport, they want to be active, they want to be well. So one of the suggestions made is that the option of salary caps be introduced for clubs outside of the Premier League. And this, and the option of removing the parachute payment from the Premier League, so that the financial realities of this kind of post-Covid world, where finances are scarce, obviously, and certain areas are desperate for additional funding and desperate for money, illustrates the need that financial, for a better word, recklessness 
can no longer operate in the world of football at the top end. There needs to be a certain amount of scrutiny, there needs to be a certain amount of equality, and there needs to be a certain amount of where the top clubs actually look out for the smaller clubs. The question is how and when and if this is possible will no doubt ring through the ears and ring through the minds of many and there may be some blockage to that. There may be some that say no, why should the Premier League do that? We'll wait and see if that does happen. But in terms of the needs, the, the call has come from the top of sports England itself within The Guardian. Tim Hollingsworth stated, or the quote is, that he needed the Premier League to do more to help others. He needed, and he says quite clearly, football must also become more representative. The report said, calling for more black executives and board members in the game, but also more funding. We do not believe that the voluntary initiative proposed by the FA will motivate clubs to act with sufficient speed. We need to recommend that the DCMS, that's Department of Culture, Media and uh, Sport, as we mentioned before, revises the code for sport governance, adding targets for a BAME representative and also uh, support for others across the board. We will wait and see whether or not there is support across the leisure industry and whether or not the actual Premier League and the parachute payments cease to stop or there is actually a salary clap cap in place for uh, the world of football. It would go some way to reshape football as we know it and sport but we have to wait and see. Uh, and we move to a certain part of the week which it struggled I'm struggling to actually get the words out and uh, I'll, I'll say last but not least uh, Liverpool have actually won the Premier League title yay they picked up their trophy um, following a game in the week where with lots of fireworks and glitz and glamour without any fans uh, they are truly uh, the team of the season and they have the manager of the season they have done extremely well so we salute them and wish them all the best anyway in terms of the Sunday show uh, which is uh, under the umbrella of on and off the pitch uh, that's it for today I'm Rodney Cyrus and I'll see you guys very soon bye for now the podcast is available on all known platforms and if you're listening to this on apple Podcasts, why don't you give it a five star rating to help the podcast grow